Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online training platform that makes cycling fun. Paranese recap, stage three, and then Terreno Adriatico, stage two. Paranese first because Terreno finished like two hours after it. Maybe they coordinated. 191Ks finishing in Don Le Palestal. It's a light Ardennes-style stage with shallow climbs and the last climb being 25 k 3.5%. The final kilometre is, is an uphill drag, but it's still a sprint and timing a sprint would be important. The question would be, would Jumbo light it up? They got Wafanat, who was the stage favourite, I think, and there's Jakobsen here, Bennett, there's Quickmen. Would they try and drop them in the latter half of this stage? GC action, not that uh expected but yeah it wasn't it was pretty cruisy until the last third i think benji yeah it was basically that but in the last third we had quite a few moves necessarily uh not necessarily the most interesting moves i would dare to say because i think with roughly 32 kilometers to go we saw a move from the peloton by Søren Kra anderson of dsm and at that point in the race there's plenty of teams in the peloton who still have a lot of riders and obviously, because someone makes a move like that at the front, the tempo when the peloton goes up a bit, the uh, pure sprinters go off the back. Like, for example, a Jakobsen goes to the back on these hills during the last third of this race. And with that move of Søren Kralersen, I'm like, why would he do this? Like, this makes zero sense to make this move. And it's something that DSM does a lot. Last year in Dauphiné, Felix Gall, Marco Brenner, these meme attacks at certain points that just don't make sense. And yeah. Some people were saying perhaps it's a training thing where he's trying to test his legs, but okay, you can do that on other places than in the last fight of a Paris nice stage, I would argue. And uh, what's your take on that? He's trying to remind other teams that he's here so he can get a contract <laughs> elsewhere. Okay. My on- honest opinion. Okay. And it's not like DSM not looking good this year. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it, the same thing happened in Toreno as well or did FDJ it happened it wasn't just SKA though it yeah he was, got followed by Lagak. it was Lagak it was Groupama it was Total Energy and if you don't try you can't succeed I get that but attacking in the face of three Yumbo domestiques three Movistar domestiques it's not a coordinated plan. There's no like plan there, like when Co- Cockard and FD, uh, Cofidis lit it up in Provence where they do a lead out. It's just like, let's just attack because they're riding tempo. It's like, okay. Anyway, we see that a lot. It's just sometimes a shame to see it from uh, the bigger teams. YOLO and Bardiani, we allow. But yeah, that got brought back. And there was Hater Benji. What, what's going on? Ethan Hater. At the back, all through the last 30Ks. It's very difficult to find out uh, what aspect to Ethan Hater we've got these days. Because, like we said a few times now, good time trial in Bessage, decent Alto de Foy and Algarve stage. But the rest of the stage, he's always hanging at the back of the peloton. And I'd argue he's not even in a terrible form. Because today he was holding on to the back of the peloton as well once again. Like you said, that second move of Søren Kranerson when Legac happened as well. Once again, Yumbo riders were trying to control that. At a certain point, we had Laporte doing the work at the front of the peloton. And that was probably because Nathan van Hoydonk and the other guy, uh, Mike Tunison, were off the back at a certain point, probably, or were towards the back. And they had to move forward. And then they took over from Mike Tunison again. So 
quite some controlling to be done by that team. Kofidis took over for quite a bit during the stage on the hills for Kokar, but nothing like that one stage they did two, three weeks ago where they tried to actually put pressure on the pure sprinters because the pure sprinters were dropped and the ones that were left were the ones that were going to survive those kind of pressure anyway. But we were heading for the final sprint. We knew that Jumbo had a few riders there. Roglic was still there. Tunison was still there. Uh, I think Laporte was also still there. And Van Aert, obviously, as a sprinter. Then we have, uh, was it Steven as lead out for Peterson, another man for them as well. I think it's Alex Kirsch that was also part of that lead out train. And Germay. other sprinters were there as well. Girmay was brought up by one of the Intermarché riders. I thought this finished it quite fit him, to be honest. And Hater was still not to be seen. And he would be starting to be seen in the last uh, 500 meters. But at that point, uh, what teams were taking control of the lead out? Well, Laporte gave a bit of a pull for Wafanar, but not too much. He couldn't, it wasn't like the lead out of yesterday. And it was actually Pedersen who launched first with Wafanart on his wheel, Cockhart third wheel, 250 metres to go on an uphill drag. Like, and it's not just 1% too. It looks a bit steeper than that. And Pedersen's initial acceleration pretty much put Van Aert fully on his limit and it didn't look like at any point he could come round him. Actually, Lecoq had to come around Van Aert, then get into Pedersen's wheel, but by then it was too late. This was a classic peak Mads Pedersen, long uphill drag sprint, which he can whip out occasionally. I think he did one like this in front of Gronewegen in the Tour of Denmark or some race last year that didn't get much coverage, but it was a really impressive sprint. And he's whipped it out today. Maybe Van Aert, he said the crash yesterday overnight, and this often happens, like riders lie down, they get back to the bus, they go to sleep, and they wake up after a crash the next day, like, oh, shit, I'm actually a bit more sore than I thought. And he he mentioned that the crash might have taken out. Well, not afterwards. He said it before the stage that the crash was a bit heavier than he initially thought. So anyway, it was a really impressive performance. Germay was out of position but fast finishing. Uh, Philipson, I think the hills definitely put him just under a little bit more pressure and he also didn't start the sprint in fantastic position. He was on the barrier and didn't get really any opening open air. But I've got top 10, bad habit, I never go through the top 10. Pedersen, Cockard, Van Aert, Philipson, Turgis, another good sprint from him. Germay, Fred Wright for Bahrain, 7th. Then Van Poppel, 8th. Hayton, ninth. Milano, 10th. So... Bennett dropped, Jakobsen dropped. I dare say if you want to make – if you're Jakobsen and you want to make that quick step Milano San Remo squad, I think you wanted to make this finish if you want to stake your claim to Lefebvre that you can, you're worth including. But, uh, yeah, I just want to – on the hater thing, he, he's finished ninth coming from 100th wheels. I think he has uh, some sort of block – or something at the moment where he he's not liking riding in the bunch. He saw in the yeah. classics because because I was like I don't know if it's the legs. Is he sick? Yeah. He's like half the pelt on sick. Pollitt looked under the weather. He's just sitting at the back with not moving up at all, not overlapping his wheels, trying to move. I know it was narrow, but I think he's not liking riding the bunch. Maybe this is what happens when you make Steve Cummings your DS. He's like, <laughs> the guy ran the road at the back of the peloton all the time. Maybe he's told him to do it. I don't know. But do you think, Benji, we underestimate sometimes the difference in 
how hard it is to move up from 40th wheel to 10th wheel between Grand Piemonte when in midweek race and a world tour sprint stage at Paranese. Certainly, but you shouldn't be in 100th position or 40th position at that point, in my opinion. You should have, like, if your team is serious about your chances for the stage, you should be in a better position than 40th position in the last kilometer. That's my take on that, personally. And if you're not, then your team and yourself have probably made mistakes in in the process towards that final kilometer or in figuring out how to get your sprinter to the fore by the end. But I do want to mention that I probably underestimated Peterson quite a lot for today because I might have forgotten that he... uh, was in this stage until the final sprint started, which is probably too late to figure out, ah, Peterson's here, because the finish fits him, like, a lot. And he's shown already in Besage twice in a row that he can do well on hilly finishes, first of all with the victory himself from that front group with Carapaz back in the day and Ghana and so forth. And then the day after, I think he got second, if I recall correctly, behind Kokar on that. Was that the stage? That was the first one, Kokar, one or the second one. I can't remember. Wasn't that the one that Ghana got third? Vaguely yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, Peterson should deserve a bit more credit than we should have named him uh, certainly yesterday because I forgot. Nah, it's what he does. He flies under the radar. He's a bit like Christoph. And then he comes up yep. and like, wow, you just won another world tour race. Um, <laughs> not like Christoph now. But yeah, that was the Paranese stage. Uh, tomorrow we have the ITT, which is 13 kilometers long. 800 meter, 7% climb at the end. It's a rolly TT, very little flat in it. Between these stages, I actually, perfect timing. I'm not complaining. I hopped on Zwift, did 90 minutes just cruising around. But our show partner, Zwift, has the Tour of Watopia starting on Wednesday. Five stages of riding featuring five new routes originally created by the Zwift community. Choice of three route lengths per stage. So plenty of opportunity to find your bunch whilst you level up with the double XP on offer. But tomorrow's stage, Benji, Roglic, Isiga, Van Aert, Laporte, Kuhn. It's a strong start list. Yeah, certainly. And uh, Hater, yes, we just mentioned him as one of the weaker riders in the positioning towards that sprint, but he didn't have a solid time trial at both Algarve and Bessage, so I'd name him with the candidates. And if we then look at the opposite side of the spectrum, McNulty was gone again to earlier than Jakobsen today. So absolutely terrible performance by him. I hope that it has a reason and that it's not he necessarily... Did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's an explanation, for example. That's a good reasoning to uh, not be up to form. I hope that he can find his form back. I don't expect him to be there uh, tomorrow based on what i've seen today that is certain when it comes to my personal uh pick for that time trial it's so easy to pick roglic or about for not you know so uh but i think i'd rather pick roglic now based on the crash of Fanat and the fact that i was expecting a bit more when it comes to the kick on that final sprint today from him yeah i'm, I'm going with roglic as well we also have almeida here uh who did a good tt in uae but i think I think Roglic is winning this TT. I certainly think he's going to be the best of the... Oh, Dennis is here too. Dennis is here. Oh, yeah, I forgot New Dennis is here because like, he's a Tony Martin of the team now. So perhaps yeah. his time trial has also gone back, which I don't I agree doubt with. It. I yeah. doubt it. <laughs> Are you going to pick Dennis or Roglic? I'll pick the other one. I'm going to go with Roglic. I think his form's okay. insane. Okay, Dennis is mine then. Just because it's got nearly 200 meters of climbing in the 
13 Ks. That's just the edge. Yeah. But yeah, th- this is a TT to watch. This is high level sprint field. Uh, I think, I mean, are we disrespecting Bissaka, Benji? He put time into Ghana and UAE. Is it the hills that worry you? I think it's the fact that it's longer than 20 kilometers that worries me because he starts getting worse from 23 kilometers onwards. It's 23 kilometers. Of, how long is the time trial? It's shorter. 13 and a half. Oh, fuck. No, he's going to be good. <laughs> he's going to be very good. Yeah. It's challenging for him. <laughs> I just don't like the hills for him. 7%. He's big boy. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. <laughs> I'm interested to see what the betting markets say. I'm interested to see. Let us know who you think is going to take it out. But that was Paranese. In terms of GC, uh, Laporte's still ahead on GC, even though he, oh, he crashed in the finale. Just an annoying yep. little crash as he was going back after the lead out. He seemed okay. He did hit his right hip. He's one second ahead of Van Aert. If Van Aert had come second, he would have been in the leader's jersey. So still Yumbo, one, two, three. And between Roglic and Vlasov, there's still 30 full seconds. So all to play for in the podium, though. All the play for between Yates, yep. Haig, O'Connor, and Vlasov. And Wild Fanart? No? You reckon? Uh, we'll save that. We'll save that. We'll save that for a discussion after the TG tomorrow before, the, before we get to the climbs. All right. Nice little preview there. Okay. Tirreno Adriatico stage two. Stage one was the opening TT. This was, again, should be a sprint stage, like 80% chance, like at Paranese. Again, like a light Ardennes kind of. Cipressa Poggio style finish, but a flat 10k run into the finish. Just long though, 220ks. Uh, the break, Benji, Yolo Cometa, Bardiani, yep. and uh, what are they? Drone Hoppy and Droni Giacottoli. Um, <laughs> what, what was going on? Were they going for KOM or points? I couldn't tell. They're all attacking each other. I don't really care what they were going for at this point, but they were You're fun the to Yolo correspondent. This yeah, I'm the Aeolo correspondent, but the virtual Aeolo correspondent, not the real oh, team. Oh, okay, uh, a lot of people mistake me for Alberto Contador as a reason for that, but I'm afraid I'm not as uh, athletic as uh, probably visible. But on this stage towards those last few hills, I was expecting perhaps some pure sprinters to drop, and that's where the likes of a Tim Merlier can be in danger because we know that hills aren't necessarily his favorite cup of tea. And... We thought that perhaps Bike Exchange was going to make a move there, but I didn't actually see too much by them. I mainly saw, for example, UAE doing something, and I was not expecting that because (laughs) while they have Akerman as a sprinter that is not necessarily too likable to the hills as well, they start attacking with Marc Soler. And I was confused because I'm like, you want the tempo to be as low as possible for Akerman, and you don't want to up it, but Mr... Uh, Mr. Soler decided to uh, go on his holy adventures in the breakaway. Well, Pogacar attacked Gagan Hart first. What would you make of that? When Pogacar went for the bonus seconds ahead of Gagan Hart, is he scared of Remco? He wants every yeah. second. Or is he just flexing? I, I think he he's just flexing. flexing. I think he's toying around. He's playing the game. Yeah. I think Pogacar sees the entirety of cycling as a bit of a video game, achievements to be unlocked, and the time was one of them, I guess. Yeah. Soler... He's actually good at this. Like we mentioned, there's yeah. meme attacks and then there's Soler who does get memed but does do good attacks. He Romandy last year. Yeah, but it was raining. Won. True, true. And I, I do think if it had been raining today, that makes a difference because yeah. the bunch goes slow. It wasn't. It was good weather. But, yeah, this is how he wins. Welter over at Ascent. Uh, but the climbs were just a little bit too easy and – 
that meant there's more domestiques to chase on the flat afterwards. That's why the difficulty of the final climb is really important and the sprinters are less on the limit. If Ewan's at the back of the group about to drop, you can't put Sweeney or someone on the front to drive at max pace, but that wasn't the case. He did a good job of it though, Soler, freed Soler, and he was caught with about three Ks to go. Groupama though, Benji, they did most of the chasing for Damar and... Yeah, I was surprised. Lotto must have been pretty happy. That being said, it really was a curious run into the sprint. And we yeah. see this often. Two lead-out men. It happened also with Intermarche when Gurmar wasn't on the wheel. Ganna's driving it, but Viviani's nowhere there. And I'm like, why? Like, he must have known he's not on the wheel. And him driving it, it just makes it harder for Viviani to move up. Um, is there anything he should do differently there? Honestly, I didn't spot Viviani the entire stage, except for no. like when Geno at two kilometers to go was on the right side of the road making that tempo. Viviani was on the left side of the road in the wheel of Ackermann. So I wouldn't stay in the wheel of Ackermann. That's step one of trying to get better results in a stage <laughs> like this. And he started moving back at that point And from that point onwards, it's Ben Swift that is the man for that team because Viviani just doesn't come into the picture anymore for me. It was Israel that started taking it up with 1.6k to go as well. After Total Energy did quite a bit as well. Black Exchange moving on the right, trying to bring up their sprinter. I think it's Groves on this parkour, knowing that they were aiming for a flat sprint and not for a pressured uh, attempt on the hills earlier. They're probably not going for matches here. And uh, yeah, Israel is very good at like lining themselves up at 1.5 kilometers to go. But when it comes to the final sprint, they're always missing out. What do you think is the issue with the Israel train? They just set it up. They set it up like a 2007 sprint train every time. And we're not in 2007. Yeah. And they don't have, they don't know, like I'm, they don't yeah. have the HTC high road sprint train. They don't have the quick step sprint train. I think Impy's doing an incredible job. I think these guys are staying at the front longer than almost could be expected of them. But when you start that early, I mean, maybe, Benji, maybe Nizzolo said, I want to be in the first seven wheels going into the final chicane. Because really it was impossible to move up in the last 400. I don't know what the call was. But it, I I don't think that's it because generally speaking, they're always early. Even the same stage at UAE is this year. The same thing happened. But they're looking strong. Just the timing's not great. Quickstep, we're going for Ballerini because Cavendish had been dropped um, and Ewan was there, but he, at what, what kilometer to go did you know that Ewan wasn't winning? Like at two Ks, I was like, no shot. Yeah. Honestly, at two Ks to go, I didn't see a single Lotto rider on the screen. So I was like, okay, this ain't happening. And you've got so many trains at the front, then you know that Alperson and Quickstep are waiting for the last moment to move over. Every single time they do it the same way, Lotto doesn't have that. And then I suddenly noticed that Ewan is sitting there alone and he doesn't really have anybody anymore and once you see that it's the same thing as we've seen quite a few times last year as well he's gonna have a hard time moving up he's not the big guy like uh, a metalier that can use a bit of his uh shoulders to move through gaps and so forth Ewan can go to tiny gaps but he doesn't have that benefit that he gets bullied by other sprinters and that's why he can't move up that easily and Honestly, even on the left side of the road, he tried to move up and it didn't work out on, under the 1K banner. So at that point, I was pretty clear uh, 
that was not going to happen for you. And then Lotto needs to figure out how to do it better in the future. Otherwise, he won't be winning uh, every single sprint that he can because he's still one of the best sprinters in the world. But if he can't sprint, then it's not great, you know? The best lead-out came from Total Energy. Julien Simon, the last man, I think, for Peter Sagan. Sagan dropped off in perfect position. And it's a sweeping right-hand bend, which, why, we'll talk about that in a second. And he's got Groves, I think, on the wheel, near the wheel. He's got uh, Consoni for Cofidis behind him and Merlier lights it up on the left-hand side. Ballerini was there and he and Sagan just didn't have the the sprint compared to the pure sprinters. Merlier just sailed past them on the left-hand side. He eventually comes back around to the right because it's a right-hand bend on the finish line and that opens up space for Groves and Coy. Coy came from nowhere. He was behind Ewan with 300 metres to go and lit the afterburners and Groves didn't throw his bike, so Coy took out second ahead of him. Uh, Groves third, Sagan fourth, Consoni fifth, Bauhaus sixth, the Conti sprint killer, Ballerini seventh, Nizzolo eighth, Garnieri ninth, the leader man for Demar, who came 17th. It's just a mess there right now. And then Drame 10th. Um, Merlier Benji, first win of the season. He's... yeah. I mean, he, he looked uh, fast. It looked the same as last year to me. He looks, he looks, he looks good. Quite certainly, and it's also in the way that he wasn't necessarily in the perfect position, but he found a way, a gap on the left to move past. And that's a way that he won in the Bank Bank Tour last year as well, with his positioning to get through gaps and therefore have an advantage in that final corner and get that final sprint in. So honestly, a uh, powerful performance. He's moving up when it comes to his form. I guess he didn't look amazing in that sprint against. Was it? Jakobsen at that one stage was a bit yeah, of an uphill sprint though. So, and Jakobsen is not exactly the worst sprinter in the world to be to be losing yeah. to, uh, based on the the results we've had so far. And when it comes to other sprinters in that sprint, Olaf Goy once again proving that he's a top ten uh, sprinter, if not more at this point. The guy gets from twentieth position probably again. He gets from the same position that Caleb Ewan is in to second in the end, and he did that at UAE Tour as well. What is the issue there, you think? Oh, it's just he doesn't have a lead out. They've sent a, they got Jonas here and Koos. What's the lotto team? Afini. He's basically got Jos, Van Emden, Tosh, Undersander, and Afini, which is not bad, but they're also not like, it's not like having Asgren and Co drop you off at 500 meters to go. Um, but the speed is there. If you want my opinion on what Yumbo should do with Koi. I would send him Giro of well to double. I'd send him with yep. a four or five man lead out to uh, the Giro. I'd have Roglic leading him out, third last man Welter. And Roglic can probably still win the Giro of Welter for the fourth time in a row. I know you hate, you, you think, I know, I think double Grand Tour sounds outrageous. It'll never happen. But yeah, Giro, Giro I think they're like, because. Yeah. Uh, what else? I'd like, send him to a Grand Tour at least. Like oh, at the moment, would... I'm not sure which one he would go to. Like, is he even going to a Grand Tour at this point? We don't know. He needs to go to a Grand Tour. I think Giro because Welter, like Rolich, can win five stages, and yeah. if Pog's going, they need the horses. Giro yeah, is looking a bit light. Yeah, um, there's space as well because you've got yeah. Dumoulin, Phosphor GC, or whether Dumoulin still fits in that category at the moment. We don't know yet. 
But um, when it comes to the other candidates in the squad to go there, well, I'd say there's space for Coy to be there. Even if, even if you don't send the lead out there, I'd still do it. But to be honest, Coy sprints good enough that he deserves to have a lead out at the race. He can get victories in a Grand Tour. I agree. I think he looks really good. Um, I'd probably send him with... I mean, if Dumo drops out of GC, Dumo can do like third last man. Afini will be at the Giro. They'll have Van Emden or someone and maybe uh, Decker will go. And then Bowman and co for the mountains to, to see how they go. But yeah, keen to see how he progresses. 20 years old, he looks like an absolute burner. Uh, Olaf Koy. But yeah, any other? Oh, Tereno Adriatico. Tomorrow is stage three from Molo to Terni, 170 Ks. Again, it's a climby sprinty boy stage, but we have no climby sprinty. Well, Sagan's here, but they're not going to pace too hard. It's it's a little bit less fun. It's not like last year, is it, Benji? It's crazy the difference. Like yeah. the stages last year finishing in the same area, Cures Dino, they went through today, were crazy exciting. It's been a little bit muted at the start of this Torino. It's hilly. The good sprinters should be getting over this. I think it's going to be yep. a sprint. And um, mm. I think Malier probably takes it again. Ah, uh, like on one end, we know that Ewan is the fastest sprinter in my personal opinion, but do I trust his lead out after today? I'm not sure. <laughs> and that's, I think, the issue I've got today. And I also think that Ewan not sprinting from a 20th position is probably because he does, probably doesn't care if he can't win. And second of all, with Sanremo coming up, is he going to risk in a finish like today's to try and go for the stage win? Because you, you can crash pretty easily in that finish today because which incompetent person decides so to dangerous. put a corner on the fucking finish line? That's so stupid. I can't get my head around it. Yeah. I don't, like. There's some straight roads that you can use to have the finish. Why have it as a bend? If it's wet, if that finish is wet, guys are going to crash every time. It's crazy. But yeah, I think tomorrow the climbs are a little bit longer. If I if my sprinter, I don't know how well Koi climbs, uh, but if I have a sprinter who's in good shape, I would be pushing hard. I think you can drop Cavendish on these climbs and try and put pressure on Ewan because they're five, six Ks long, seven Ks long, where you can really try and put them under pressure. They're just a bit shallow. We'll see. Hopefully there's a bit more aggression for the sprinters. Uh, well, the better climbing sprinters tomorrow. But that's all from us, Paranis, Torino recap uh we as i said will have no zwift lrcp group ride this week we'll be doing that M- milano san remo zwift lrcp watch party before they get to the depressor next weekend so not this weekend the 19th i think it is on saturday but uh yeah stay tuned for the paranese recaps tomorrow i got rollich benji's got dennis it'll probably be a bit bigger. until then ciao <laughs>